This is a folk tale from Norway. It's called The Three Princesses in the Blue Mountain. Now there was once a king, and he ruled a lovely kingdom in peace and happiness. And yet he was not happy within himself. There was a sadness about him. One day he was standing on some high ground, looking out over the land that he ruled. Beautiful meadows rolling away towards mountains. And an old woman came up and asked him for a small coin. He gave it to the old woman, who thanked him. And then she said, You look sad. What is it that's wrong with you? What ails you? Oh, nothing that you can do anything about, said the king. <clears throat> well, don't be so sure about that, she said. No, there is no point even telling you, he said. I know what is in your heart, king. You are sad because you do not have an heir to inherit the kingdom after you. But don't worry. Your wife, the queen, will have three daughters. But you have to be very careful with them. You must make sure that none of those girls go outdoors under the open sky until the youngest is fifteen years old. If they do, they will be carried away in a snowstorm. Well, <clears throat> the king was delighted when he heard the news that his wife was to have three daughters, and he smiled and gave the old woman another coin from his purse, a much bigger one, a much more golden one. Well, he went home and he told his queen, and, sure enough, the queen got pregnant and she had a beautiful little baby girl. And the next year, she had another baby girl. And the third year, another baby girl. Now the three princesses grew up to be more lovely than anyone. I mean, they were beautiful, lovely, happy children. And yet, why can't we go outside? Why can't we go out and play like the other children? Oh, no, no, it's not safe, said their parents. No, you must stay here in the castle. It's not safe to go out under the sky. Well, the years passed, and the princesses grew, in stature and in loveliness as well, until it was coming near the time of the youngest one's fifteenth birthday. Now, one day the king and the queen went away. They were off visiting someone, and the princesses were left in the castle. They, of course, couldn't go with them. Now, there was a guard there who was supposed to keep an eye on the girls and make sure that they did not go outside. It was such a beautiful hot summer's day that the three girls stood looking longingly out the window at the garden. Oh, please, they said to the guard, can we not go outside just for a, a short time? Oh, no, no, 
said the guard. No, I'm not allowed to let you out the door. Oh, but look at it. What a beautiful day it is, and it's so hot and sunny. I mean, you don't expect that there's going to be a snowstorm today, do you? Well, I suppose not, said the guard. Oh, please let us go, just for a short time. Well, in the end he agreed. <clears throat> but only if I come with you, he said. I must make sure that you're safe. So he went out with the three princesses, and, oh, they were so delighted. They had never been outside before. And they were so happy to be out there in the sun, feel the sun on their faces. Well, they started to pick flowers, something else that they'd never been able to do before. And they picked all the prettiest flowers that they could find, and they were so happy. And then the guard said, I think it's time you were going back inside now. And they said, yes, of course. And so the three of them, with the guard, set off back towards the palace. But then one of them noticed a rose bush way in the corner of the garden, and on it was the most beautiful flowers they'd ever seen. <gasps> oh, we must pick one of those too, they said. Oh, we simply have to. So they ran over to the corner of the garden where the beautiful rose bush was. But then, before anyone knew what had happened or how it had happened, there was a sudden snowstorm. Just a cloud of snow, like a blizzard, came in by itself, and it picked up the three girls, and it blew them away, who knows where. Well, when the king and queen came home and heard the news, they were devastated. Now the king ordered a proclamation to be read from all the churches in this kingdom, and it said that, he would give half his kingdom, and whichever one of his daughters hand in marriage that the person who rescued them uh, would desire, then if somebody could find them and rescue them, they would inherit half the kingdom and their choice of princess as a wife. Well, everybody wanted that. Half a kingdom and a princess into the bargain? Well... All the men turned up. They wanted to go and find the princesses. Started off with all the lords. And they sent their sons. But, of course, they found nothing. And came home empty-handed, without hearing a word about where the princesses were. And then all the knights went out. And they didn't fare any better either. It ended up that after many, many unsuccessful attempts, there was a captain and a lieutenant in the army that decided that they would like to go and try. So they went to see the king, told him that they had come and that they would search for his daughters and bring them back to him. And he was a happy man to hear this. No one else had managed to find any sign of them at all. So, well, they might be lucky. You never know. But we'll need to be kitted out properly. Oh, of course, said the king. And he got fine clothes for them, and he gave them money as well. Gold and silver jingled in their pockets. 
and they got a horse each, and they set off, looking for the princesses. Now at the same time as this, there was a young soldier, who lived in a small simple hut with his mother, and he had a dream, and he dreamed about rescuing the princesses. Well, he went to his mother the next day and told her his dream, and said that he was going to set off to rescue the princesses. Oh, no, 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 she said, you can't do that, not on a whim, not just because of a dream. <clears throat> you must wait and see. If you dream the same dream three nights in a row, then you take it seriously. Well, that night, the soldier had the same dream, and the night after that, for a third time, he had the same dream. So he went to his mother, and he said that he was going to go and search for the princesses. He went up to the castle. It was just the day after the captain and the lieutenant had set off, and he told the king that he was going to go and search for the princesses. Well, I don't think there's much need, he said. I have two men going looking for them at the moment. And also, he said, I'm growing a bit short of gold and silver. So no, you wait for a while. And if they have no success, then you come and see me again. Oh, no, but I can't, he said. I have to leave this very day. And I don't want gold or silver from you. I'm not asking anything from you other than food. I would like a drop of wine for my flask, and I would like to take some food. I would like you to prepare a wallet, a large leather bag, and I want you to fill it with as much meat as I can carry. I want beef, and I want bacon. Well, <clears throat> the king said that would be no trouble at all. So a large bag was prepared, full of beef and full of bacon, and was given to him along with wine as well, and he was given a horse, and the king said, Maybe you'll catch up with those fellows that left yesterday. Maybe I will, maybe I won't, said the young soldier. But I will bring you back your princesses. And off he went. Now he travelled on for a while, until eventually he caught sight in the distance with the captain and the lieutenant. They had not been making very good speed. So he rode up to them, and they said, Hello, what are you up to? And he said, Well, I'm going to try to find the princesses that was carried away from the royal palace. Well, we are doing the same, said the other two. Tell you what, you might as well join us. Keep us company, eh? Yes, I can certainly do that, said the young soldier. So the three of them trotted along together. Now they had been going along the highway for a long time, when suddenly the young soldier broke away from the other two, and he turned his horse towards the forest. Well, the other two stopped and shouted to him, Where do you think you're going? This is the road I must take, he said. Don't be daft, they said. No, keep with us on the highway. The highway, that's the way to go. Oh, no, no, he said. This is the road that I have to take. And 
when they saw that he wasn't coming back, they turned around and they followed him as well. Well, they travelled on, a long, long way through a forest. They went over moors, they went over hills and dales. They came to another forest. They travelled on and on, till they came to a river. And across the river was a bridge, and in front of the bridge guarding it, there was a bear, a huge bear bear, and when he saw them coming, he reared up on his hind legs, and he growled. He looked like he was going to eat them. Well, the captain and the lieutenant were scared, and they said, Oh, we'd better turn around and get away. I don't think so, said the soldier. I believe that bears like meat. So he put his hand into the wallet, and he took out a large leg of an ox, and he threw it to the bear, and the bear stopped, and got down on all fours, and started to eat it hungrily. Well, then they rode past him, and over the bridge. But when they crossed the bridge to the other side, there was a huge lion, and it roared so loud it was deafening. And again the captain and the lieutenant were scared. Oh, a lion! He'll surely eat us! Quick, flee back over the bridge! No, I don't think he's that dangerous, said the soldier. And I believe that lions like bacon. Let's have a look. So he went into his bag again, and he took out a, a leg of ham, and he threw it to the lion, and the lion stopped to eat it, and they rode on past, quite safe. On and on they travelled, until eventually they came to a great big house. They went inside and shouted, but there was no answer. They went from room to room, but there was no one there. But the house was lovely, beautiful house, obviously somebody rich that lived there, but no sign of anyone. Now by this time they were all very hungry. And they went to the kitchen, and they looked around for any food, but there was not a scrap of food to be found. Well, <clears throat> the captain and the lieutenant, they had pocketfuls of gold and silver, which they jingled. They wanted to buy food from somebody, but there was nobody to buy food from, and there was no food to buy, so their gold and silver was useless. But the young man said, Well, I've got plenty of food here to spare. Would you like to join me and have a meal? Well, he didn't have to ask them twice. Oh, yes, they would like a meal. So they cooked up a lovely meal, and they sat down, and they ate that till they were full. <clears throat> well, they spent the night there, and in the morning there was still no sign of anyone. Now they decided they would have to go hunting to look for some food. And they had seen that there was pastures nearby, just on the edge of the forest, and there was lots of hares there, and birds as well, and deer. So the captain and the soldier decided to go hunting, and they left the lieutenant there to cook what meat was left in the soldier's bag, and have a meal prepared for when they got back. But no sooner were they out the door than a small old man came in. 
He was stiff and bent over, and he went on two crutches. And he came in, and he pleaded pitifully, Oh, please give me a penny, he said. Well, the lieutenant gave him a penny, but he dropped it on the floor. And then he made such an effort at trying to pick it up, and he was pulling it towards him with his crutches, but he couldn't bend down to pick it up because he was so stiff and bent. And the lieutenant felt sorry for him, so he bent down on the floor to pick up the coin, and as soon as he did that, the old man stood up straight. He was no longer bent or stiff, and he took his crutches, and he belted the lieutenant, and he beat him and beat him and beat him until he was lying on the floor and couldn't move. And then he turned around and went out on his crutches again. <clears throat> well, when the captain and the soldier came back, they found the friend lying on the floor, and they said, What's wrong with you? So he told them all about the old man that came in and how he had beaten them. And the captain laughed at him. Fancy being beaten by an old crippled man. <laughs> Call yourself a soldier. Ha, ha, ha. If I was there, that would have been a different story you'd hear. Oh, well, maybe you'd like to stay t tomorrow, then. I will, he said. And so the next day the soldier and the lieutenant went off hunting. They had already taken back a lot of game with them, and so the captain was busy getting that prepared and ready to cook. When again in came the old man, all bent and stiff and sore, and he was on his crutches, and he begged and pleaded to get a penny. And the captain gave him a penny, and... He Then the old man said, Oh, where is it? I have lost it. I can't find the penny. Oh, dear, he said, have you dropped it or something? And the captain bent down to look. Well, the old man straightened himself up again, and he took the crutches, and he gave the captain such a beating. It was an even more savage beating than he'd given to the lieutenant the day before. And when the old man got back on his crutches and went out the door, the captain was lying on the floor senseless. Well, when the lieutenant and the soldier came back, they found him lying there. And again he had the same story to tell. Well, they said to the soldier, now it's your turn to stay back and see what kind of a job you can make of him. Oh, I will, he said. I will, and I'll turn it to my advantage as well. <laughs> I bet. I bet when we come back you'll probably be dead, he said. So the two of them, the captain and the lieutenant, set off to go hunting. And the soldier stayed back, and he prepared all the game that they'd caught the day before, and was cooking it up. And then the old man came, and he was all bent and sore and stiff on his crutches. Now, the young man had been preparing the meat, but he hadn't cooked it yet. And the old man said to him, Oh, please, young sir, could you give me a penny? Oh, I'm sorry, he said. I don't have any money. I've never had any money, so I can't give you a penny. But I can give you some food, if you would like. Oh, well, yes, some food would be nice. Uh, well, if you want any food, you'll have to go out and chop some wood. Oh, I can't do that, he said. I don't know how to. 
Oh, well, it's about time you learnt, then, said the soldier. Come with me, and I'll show you. So the old man went tottering outside on his crutches, and he was so old he had long white hair and a great long flowing white beard that hung down to his belt. <laughs> well, said the soldier, I will teach you how to chop wood. And he got a tree trunk, and he was able to get it split a, pea, a bit. And then he drove wedges into it to split it further, so that it opened up a crack all the way along the length of this log. Now, look along that crack, he said. See if it's straight. I'll teach you how to chop wood. Oh, well, so the old man, well, he lay down, and he looked along the length of the piece of wood, and he said, well, yes, that that crack does seem to be straight. And when the young soldier saw that the old man had his long white beard inside the crack of the wood, he pulled the wedges out, and the crack snapped shut over the old man's beard. Oh, the old man howled out of him, Let me go! Release me! Let me go! No, he said, and then the soldier started swinging his axe above his head. Maybe I'll show you how you should chop wood, he said. Maybe I'll take this axe down on your skull and split it in two. Oh, no, please don't do that, said the old man. Please let me go. I'll release you on one condition, he said. I want you to tell me where the three princesses are hidden. Oh, I can do that. Let me go. Tell me first, then I let you go. Oh, well, if you walk a mile away from here, from the forest, you'll find a hill. And if you climb to the top of the hill and you cut a square piece of turf in the top of the hill and lift that bark, you'll find a stone slab underneath it. Lift up the stone slab and you will see a great deep hole, and that goes to another world that is inside that hill. They refer to it as the Blue Mountain. Now, if you can get down there, you will find the three princesses. That is where they are kept by trolls. Hmm, I see. Well, you've done what I asked. So, the young soldier drove the wedges back into the split along the tree trunk. And it opened up, and the old man was able to get his beard out. And then he hobbled away at great speed and didn't come back again. Well, that night, when the captain and the lieutenant came back, they were amazed to see the young man there, and nothing wrong with him at all. They were expecting him to be dead. You see, he was a lot younger than them, and they thought he was just a boy. But, no, he told them everything that had happened, and of the information he'd got from the old man. So the next day they set off, and they travelled over till they found the hill, and they climbed it, and then they cut the square of turf, lifted it up, and there was a stone slab. So they lifted the slab, and there was a great hole underneath them. Now they had taken every piece of rope that they could find in that house, and they tied them all together, and you know, it was so deep, that hole, 
that they needed every length of rope that they had. And then they decided, well, we need to go there now. Now they had a basket with them, and they tied the end of the basket, the basket to the end of the rope, and they were going to lower them down. I'll go first, said the captain. But then the young soldier remembered something that the old man had said. They could travel down that hole to get to the land where the princesses were kept, but they would have to travel through fire and water to get there. Hmm. He didn't pay much attention to it at the time. He didn't think anything of it, but now it made him wonder. Now, the captain said, Well, I'm the most senior of us all. I outrank you, so I am going to go down first. Very good, they said. So, they tied, they had the rope on the basket. He climbed into the basket, and they started to lower him down into the hole. It was very dark, and it was very cold and clammy, and he didn't like it one little bit. He was starting to get scared, but he thought that he should better go on. And when he got down a bit further, suddenly there was a splash of water, and ice-cold water went shooting up and hat him on the side of the face. And then he became afraid, and he shouted and he yelled, and he tugged at the rope for them to pull him up. And so they pulled the basket up, and there he was, shaking with fear. I'm not going down through there, he said. So the lieutenant went in the basket, and they lowered him over the side. Now he came to the water, uh, but he knew what to expect this time. So he went through the water, but then as he was being lowered, he could see below him a whole sheet of flames, and he was scared. So he tugged on the rope like mad and screamed to be brought up. So they pulled him up, and he got out, and he said, I'm not going down there. And the soldier said, well, I'll go. So he jumped in the basket, and they lowered him down. And he went through the water, and he went through the fire and wasn't hurt. And he went down a long, long, long way until every inch of that rope was let out and the basket bumped on the ground. Now it was so dark that the young soldier couldn't see his hand in front of his face. He didn't know where to go. He got out the basket and he, he hunted around. He scrambled about in a circle around it, trying to feel his way. And then he saw in the distance there was a faint light. So he headed towards it. And, sure enough, there was a house. Well, it wasn't a house. It was a beautiful, huge palace. A wonderful, marvellous, beautiful palace. Well, <clears throat> he went in and looked around, and he went from room to room until he came into a room. He could hear a whirr, whirr, whirr going. So he came into the room, and there sat the eldest princess, and she was spinning copper thread on a copper spinning wheel, and the room was entirely made of beautifully polished copper, and everything in it was copper. And she said, Oh, dear me, who are you? Is this a Christian soul that has come in here? You had better get away quick. 
I am held here by a troll who has three heads, and he'll kill you as soon as he sees you. Well, he might kill me, or he might not, and I don't care if he's got three heads, I don't care if he's got four heads. I'm not scared of him. <clears throat> well, said the princess, if you're determined to stay, then I must help you as much as I can. See that sword lying on the table over there? And sure enough, there was a big sword on the table. Try and lift it, she said. He went over and he tried to lift it. He could just about move it, but that was all. Now, she said, and she took a horn off the wall, was hanging on a hook. She said, take a drink of this. So he took a drink, and it was a strengthening drink, a drink that made you stronger. And he tried to pick the sword up again. And he could just pick it up, but no more. And then he took another draught of the strengthening drink. And he was able to pick up the sword, but it was still heavy. So he took a third drink from the flask. And he was able to brandish the sword, to twirl it through the air. He was strong enough to hold it. Now, she said, Go and hide behind the ale vats that are outside at the front porch, at the, in the front of the hall. So he went to the hall outside, and there was brewing vats for making beer, and then he hid behind them. And no sooner had he done that than there was a terrible rumbling, and a terrible rolling, and he could feel the ground shaking. And in came a troll with three heads, and the three heads all sniffed at once, three noses all going, Ugh, mm, ugh, ugh, it said. I smell Christian flesh and blood. Who is in here? Oh, no one at all, she said. But a funny thing happened. A raven was flying over, and it had a dead man's bone in its beak and it dropped it down the chimney. Now, I threw it out as quick as I could, and I cleaned up, but maybe it's that you're smelling. Oh, yes, I can smell it well, he said. Never you mind, she said. You come and sit here, and put your heads on my laps, and I'll scratch your heads. So, the princess sat there while the troll with the three heads lay with the three heads in her lap, and she scratched their heads until they all fell asleep, and soon all three heads were snoring. <laughs> now, then she propped up the heads of the troll on stools with cushions, and then she went out to feed the hens. That was the signal the young man had been waiting for. And he crept into the room, and he took the sword, and he cut off the three heads of the troll with one blow. Well, the princess was delighted the troll was dead. Now, he said, I must try to save your sisters. Yes, she said, come with me. So the eldest princess led him through several more rooms and across a courtyard and in through another door. And she said, in there is my next sister, the middle sister. And then she went to hide. Well, he went in and he discovered the middle princess was sitting spinning silver thread 
on a silver spinning wheel, and all the room was all shining silver, and everything in it was silver. Oh, who are you? she said. You must get out of here as quick as you can. There's a troll that guards me here. He has six heads, and if you aren't careful, he'll come here and kill you. No, he said, I'm not scared of him. I'm here to set you free, bring you back to your parents. Well, if you're determined not to go, she said, then maybe I can help you. And so she led him over to the table where there was another sword lying, a much bigger one than the first one. Try to pick it up. So he tried to pick it up, but he couldn't move it at all. She took a horn down from a hook on the wall and handed it to him and said, Take a drink of that. Now, he took three drinks from it, three gulps, and he tried to pick it up, and he could pick the sword up. But then he took another three gulps, so he had six gulps of strengthening drink. And when he had that, he was able to hold the sword just as though it was a rolling pin. Well, <clears throat> then she said, now you must go and hide in the hall out there behind the brewing vats. And when I go out to feed the hens, then you come in and kill the troll. I'll get him to go to sleep first. So he hid himself there. And then, and then suddenly there was a shaking and a rumbling. And the ground shook even more than the first time and a horrible huge troll with six heads came through the door, and all six noses sniffed. Ugg, 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 they said. I smell Christian blood and bone. Oh, well, maybe that's uh, because there was a raven flew over, and it had a thigh bone of a man in its beak, and it dropped it down the chimney, and I went and threw it out, and you know what it did? It picked it up again, and it dropped it down the chimney a second time, and I threw it out and swept everything down, but I'm sure that's what you'll be smelling. Oh, I smell it well, he said. Well, never you mind. You sit down on the floor here and lay your heads in my lap, and I'll scratch them. And when you wake up, you won't smell that horrible smell. Mm, okay. So the troll sat down, and he rested his six heads in her lap. And she started scratching the heads, and one by one all the heads fell asleep, until all six of them were snoring. And then, very carefully, she put stools underneath the heads, cushions on it, and she went out to feed the hens. Well... When the young soldier saw her coming out, he went into the room, and he picked up that sword, and he cut off all six troll heads with one slice of the sword. Now, the princess was delighted. She'd been rescued, and then her sister turned up, and oh, she was so happy to see her elder sister, and they danced for joy. And then they remember their younger sister. We must save her too. Of course we must, said the young soldier. That's why I came here, to rescue the three of you. So they led him through more beautiful rooms and into another courtyard and across where there was a huge door. 
and they opened it and they went in, and then the girls went to hide, and he could hear a whirr, whirr, whirr again, and he went into a room, and there sat the youngest princess, spinning gold on a golden spinning wheel, and the room was entirely made of glittering gold, and everything in the room was made of gold. <gasps> oh, who are you? Quick, run, she said. Get away from here. There's a terrible troll that guards me here. He has nine heads. Oh, you must flee for your life, or he'll kill you. I'm not afraid of him, he said. I'm here to save you. I'm here to rescue you, and that's what I intend to do. Well, if you're determined to stay, she said, then come over and try this sword. So he went over to the table, and there was a huge sword on it. It was enormous. It was bigger than the other two put together. Well, he tried to pick it up, couldn't move it. So the princess unhooked a horn from the wall and took it over and said, Drink some of this. So he took three big gulps, three draughts of the strengthening drink, and then he could just move the sword. So he took another three big gulps of the strengthening drink, and then he could pick the sword up, but he couldn't do anything else with it. So he took a third three more draughts of the strengthening drink, nine draughts in all. And then he could swish the sword about in the air like it was a feather. So <clears throat> she sent him to hide behind the ale vats in the hallway, and she sat there, and suddenly there was a rumbling and a shaking, and the walls of the whole palace shook. And an enormous troll came in with nine heads and nine noses sniffed. Ugh, 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 they said, all nine heads at once. I smell Christian blood and bone. Oh, you might well do, she said the youngest princess, because a raven flew over with a man's bone in its beak, and it dropped it down the chimney, and I threw it out, and it picked it up again, and it dropped it down the chimney again, and it did this ever so many times, until I went out and I buried the bone. And that's probably what you're smelling. I've swept up and cleaned, but you can probably still smell the smell. Yes, I smell it. I smell it well, he said. Well, Never you mind, she said. You just sit down and lay your nine heads in my lap, and I'll scratch them. So the troll sat down, and he lay his nine heads on the princess's lap, and she scratched away all nine heads, and soon, one by one, all the heads fell asleep, till all nine of them were snoring. And then she got stools underneath them with cushions on it, and she supported the heads, and she crept away to go and feed the hens. And then the young soldier came in, and he picked up that enormous sword, and he brought it down on the necks of the trolls, and it chopped off eight heads with one blow. But the sword was too short to cut off the ninth. But that woke the troll up. He sat up and goes, Ah. I smell Christian blood. Yes, said the young soldier, that would be me, but you won't smell it for long. And with that, 
he swung the sword again and he chopped off the ninth head. It went rolling across the floor. Well, the young princess was so delighted at being saved, and of course when she saw her sisters, they wept for joy. Now we must go back and return to the palace where your parents will be waiting for you, he said. Now, on the way there, they filled up all the pockets and anything that they could with gold and silver, and they went back to where the basket was with the rope tied around it. And then he put the eldest princess into the basket, and he tugged on the rope, and the captain and the lieutenant up pulled the rope up. Now, the youngest daughter, she was very fond of this young man, and she pushed his cap back, and she took a golden ring off her finger, and she tied it into his hair. Well, <clears throat> the basket came back, and the middle princess went up in it, and down it came, and then the youngest princess went in and was pulled up. And it was only when she was up that the young man had a thought. Oh, I've been so stupid, he thought. I should have gone up first, because I don't trust those pair. I don't think that they're very nice people at all, and I don't think they're going to pull me up. I don't trust them. We'll see what happens. So when the basket was lowered again, he took a big lump of gold and he put it in the basket, and they started to haul up this basket. Of course, it was heavy with the gold in it, so they thought, naturally, that it was a young soldier. And when they'd pulled it halfway up, they cut the rope, and the basket crashed down to the earth and was shattered, broken into a thousand pieces. So that's what they would have done with me, said the young soldier to himself. I knew they were treacherous. But now what? Well, up on the earth, the captain and the lieutenant had drawn their swords, and they threatened the princesses that they would kill them if they were to tell the king who really saved them, who really rescued them. And when he had got them, when they had got them to swear that they would not tell, then they brought them back, back to the palace, and oh, the king was so delighted. Him and the queen, they were wept with joy. And they said to the captain and the lieutenant, Half my kingdom, he says, will go to you too, and you may have your choice of which of the princesses you would like to marry. Well, they both wanted to marry the youngest one, but she would have nothing to do with them. She refused point-blankly. They tried to persuade her. They threatened her, but nothing would work. She was adamant she was not marrying those men, either of them. Well... They were very annoyed, but they decided to marry the two elder princesses, who were very, very beautiful as well. Now, they went to the king, and they said, I think there's something wrong with that youngest daughter of yours. She's behaving very peculiarly, 
And, you know, there seems to be a great sadness on her now, a great sorrow on her since she left the mountain. I think it's troll bewitchment, Your Majesty. Give us twelve guards to stand guard over her night and day. I fear that she might do something to harm herself. Well, when the king heard that, he said, Of course you can have twelve soldiers, and twelve guards were given to them. And they stood watch over that girl night and day. Well, meanwhile, back under the earth, back in the other world, the young man was pacing around, not knowing what to do next. He went back to the palace, and he went through from room to room, and he searched through every drawer and every cupboard, trying to find something that might help him get back. Now, one day he opened the drawer of a table, and in it there was a small golden key. He tried all the doors, didn't fit. He tried all the cupboards, no fit. Chests, nope. And then he spotted a small cupboard above a bed, and the key fitted that. And he opened it, and inside it was an old rusty whistle. Huh! What good's that, he thought. Such a elaborate way of keeping such a simple, valueless thing. So, he thought, I wonder if the whistle works. So he put it in his mouth and he blew, and sure enough, a shrill note came out of it. And with that, there was a great whirring, and a great flapping, and he looked out, and there, the sky above was filled with birds. And they all came down and landed in front of the palace, and they all said, What do you want us to do, master? How, oh, he thought, this whistle has power over birds. Well, he said, uh, do you know how to get out of this world and back to the world above? No, no, they said, no, we don't know that. But our mother's not here yet, they said. Uh, our mother might know. So, once more, he put the whistle in his mouth, and he blew on it. And then, in the distance, he saw a shape flying towards him, an immense eagle. And it grew closer and closer, and it was of unimaginable size, a giant eagle. And the the wind from its wings as it flapped was so strong it blew the young man down. It blew him along till he managed to catch hold of a fence, otherwise it would have blown him away completely. And then the eagle landed and said, What do you want from me then, master? Well, he said, I wondered if you knew how to get out of this world and how to get into the world above. You can only do that by flying, said the eagle. But, she said, I can carry you on my back. But before that, you have to give me twelve oxen to eat, and another one as well to eat on the journey. 
After I have feasted well, then I can take you. I'll be strong enough to take you. Now, there was a whole beautiful herd of glossy cattle in one of the fields outside the palace. It was strange down there because there was light, there was a sun, an underground sun, not as hot as our one, but there was a sun that gave light, and there was a huge field, and it was full of beautiful, glossy, fat cattle. So he slaughtered twelve bullocks, and he gave it to the eagle, and the eagle gobbled them down just like they were sweeties, ate the lot in no time at all. Now, she said, the thirteenth one you must cut up into pieces and carry with you. And when I'm flying up, when I get weak, I will open my beak, and you must throw a piece of meat into my beak. Otherwise I won't be able to carry you up. So he filled two great bags full of all the cut-up meat from the ox, and he hung it around the eagle's neck, and the eagle spread its wings with the young man clinging onto his back, and they flew upwards and upwards, and they flew for a long time, and every now and again the eagle would open its huge beak, and the young man would grab a piece of meat and throw it into the eagle's beak, and then it would get stronger and fly a bit more, and then it would open its beak again, and it would have to be fed, and this carried on until they were nearly at the top, and she said, I need the last piece, otherwise I won't make it. So he threw the last piece of meat into the eagle's beak, and they flew out of the hole and out into the land above. Well, the eagle flew up to the top of a tree and landed and perched there and said, Now I must rest, and then I will take you to the palace. So, once the eagle had rested, it flew across the land at such speed that lightning flew from its wings, and it landed in the, next to the town where the castle was. And then it said to him, If you ever need me again, then just whistle, and I will be there. And then it flew off. So the young man headed into the town, and there was great excitement because there was to be two royal weddings, the captain and the lieutenant. Well, the king had given them fine new clothes and new swords, and they were strutting around like peacocks. Oh, they were like the cock of the walk, they were. And they were strutting about and posing and bullying people and pushing them around. Ah, uh, they were nightmares. And the, the two elder daughters who were going to be married to them were sad. The young one was sad too. But the two older ones... They were really sad that they had to marry these men, these men that had threatened to take their lives if they didn't lie. Well, the king saw this. What's wrong with you, he said to them one day. You should be happy. You've been rescued. You've been set free. And the men who saved you, they're, you're going to marry them. You should be happy. Well, we can't be happy, they said. Why not? 
Well, because we want a draft set, like the one that we used to play with in the in the Blue Mountain. The pieces were all beautiful. They were made of gold. A draft set. Hmm. You know the board game drafts. They call it checkers in America. Well, well, we have wonderful goldsmiths here. I'm sure we can find a goldsmith that can make you a, a checker board, a, che a drafts board, just like the one you had. Well, all the finest goldsmiths went up to the palace, and they all tried their best at the descriptions that the princesses had given, but none of them could make a draft set, anything like the one that they played with in the Blue Mountain. And so <clears throat> they were still sad. Of course, the only reason that they'd said that was because they couldn't tell the truth. They couldn't tell their father that it wasn't these men that had saved them. They had sworn an oath. But they didn't want to marry them. Now, it came to the time three days before the wedding, that there was no draft board, and all the goldsmiths had gone up there, and they'd all tried their best. There was only one goldsmith left in the town that hadn't tried, and he was an old man. And, you know, he'd been scratching a living for years, just trying to make little bits and pieces from this and that. And, well... He thought he might try, but he wasn't sure. He didn't think that maybe if, if the finest goldsmiths had tried and failed, then he knew his limitations. He wouldn't be able to do it. But the young soldier found him, and he heard what was going on about the draft board. And <clears throat> he said to the old goldsmith, Would you... Uh, would you take me on as an apprentice? Oh, yes, he said. I haven't had an apprentice for years. So he went with the old goldsmith back to his house, and the old goldsmith got out a flagon of wine, and they had a drink, and the old goldsmith had more and more and more and more and more. You get the picture. Until he was rather tipsy, and he started to boast. I could make a draft board, he said. I could make a draft set for the princesses. Of course I could. Yes, I'm a fine goldsmith, me. I could make whatever I want, he said. Oh, I'm sure you could, said the young soldier. I'm sure you're far better than any of those other goldsmiths here. Pah, them? I've made far better things than they've ever done. Oh, yes, I could make it easy enough. Then why don't you go up to the castle and tell the king that you'll make the draft board. By Jove, I will, he said. And off he staggered up to the castle. He got an audience with the king. Your Majesty, I, I can make you a draft board for your daughters. I'll make you the finest draft board that you've ever seen. Very good, said the king. You have to make it within three days. And if you don't, seems you have come here claiming you can do it. If you can't, then your life must be forfeit. 
Uh, I can do it, no problem, it was the... And off he went. Well, he got back and he told the young soldier what he'd done, and oh, he was so proud of himself. Until the next morning, when he woke up with a hangover, and he thought, Oh no, what did I do? And he said to the young soldier, What did I do? What did you make me do? I didn't make you do anything. You said you could make a draft board, the like of which the princesses played with in the Blue Mountain. Oh, but I can't do that. Well, the king gave you gold to make it with, said the young soldier. And sure enough, there was a bag of gold there. But I, 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 I have no idea what to do. Never you mind, said the young soldier. I'll make it for you. Would you? Could you? Oh, yes, he said. No problem. I'll do that. So that was that. It was decided that the young apprentice, the soldier, would make a draft set, just like the princesses had played with in the Blue Mountain. But he never set to work. The old man was getting worried. A day passed. Nothing. Another day passed. Nothing. He had insisted that he had to have a room to work in, and he'd given him a room. But there was no sound came out of it. There was no sound of sawing or hammering or nothing. And the old goldsmith was getting worried. Oh, I might as well go and throw myself in the lake now and make away with myself, he said. Because my life is forfeit anyway, the king will kill me. Ah, never a bit, said the young man, when come on out the room. You should have more faith in me. Well, the last night passed. That evening went by. The draft board had to be ready for the next morning. Now, that night, the young soldier leaned out the window and he blew the whistle. And in a twinkling of an eye, there was the giant eagle. What is it that you want, master? Well, I want you to go back to the palace that was inside the Blue Mountain and take back the draft board, the draft set that the princesses used to play with. And so, that's no problem, said the eagle. I thought you'd probably be hungry and need to eat, need your strength to get back. So there are two ox carcasses down there for you. Oh, thank you, said the eagle, and she ate up the two oxes like they were just two sweeties. And away she flew. And long before morning she came back and she was carrying with her the very same draft set that the princesses played with in the mountain. Well... The next day the old man woke up and he was crying. Oh, the king's going to have me killed. Never a bit of it, said the young man. Nope. Here is the draft set, just as the princesses wanted. And he handed it to the old man. The old man was amazed. How, but, how, how, why? Just take it to the king. So he went up to the king. The king said, well... Did you have, do you have the draft set that my daughters wanted? Yes, sire. And he produced the draft set. Well, when the two older princesses saw it, they shouted for joy. 
And the young princess came in too, and she saw it with all the guards around her. And they recognized it. It was the very one that they played with in the mountain, and they knew that the young soldier must have escaped and got back somehow. Well, they were delighted about that. And the king said, So did you make this draft set yourself then? And the old man, well, he was a, an honest old chap, and he said, No, your majesty, I, I didn't. Then who did? It was my apprentice that made it, actually. Well, go and fetch your apprentice, they said. Bring him here right away. And so, that's what he did. He ran back and he got the young soldier, and he took him back into the presence of the king. Well, the three princesses, when they saw him, they clapped their hands and laughed for joy. Now, their husbands-to-be, the captain and the lieutenant, were there too, but when they saw the young soldier come in, they went as pale as a ghost, they went as white as a sheet. Well, <clears throat> this, said the princesses, this is the man who saved us, this is the man who rescued us by himself. And this, said the youngest princess, is the man that I want to marry. Well, they then told the king everything about what the captain and the lieutenant had done, their treachery. Well, when the king heard that, he ordered them to be taken away and executed immediately. And so the captain and the lieutenant were taken out, and that was the finish of them. But the princess went over to the young man, and she pushed the cap off his head, and in his hair she found the ring that she had knotted there. You see, father, she said, it's my ring. This is the man that I will marry. And so there was a wedding feast after all. But it wasn't for the two eldest princesses, it was for the youngest. And a fine feast it was. And you know, if it's not finished, it's probably still going on.